Bros and Bows Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse. And before we get started in the episode, I got some business to plug out. We have A3 Archery Custom Bowstrings. If you're looking for custom bowstrings, check out A3 Archery at www.a3archery.com. These guys are putting custom back in custom strings and introducing an industry-leading proprietary process called Pre-Cycle Shot Technology. Use code BBB15 for 15% off. Our next business we're going to plug out is Southern Loon Retrievers PA. If you're interested in in-person or online gun dog training, head over to Southern Loon Retrievers PA and click the link in the bio. Use promo code PODCAST in all caps. Our next business we're going to plug out is J&J Cabinet Plus. If you need custom granite or cabinets, hit up J&J Cabinet Plus on Facebook. Jake and Josh will be more than willing to help you out and get the perfect countertop and cabinet of your dreams. That's at J&J Cabinet Plus on Facebook. Our next business that we're going to plug out is Josie Sweet Something. If you need cakes, cupcakes, wedding cakes, whatever the cakes may be, hit up Josie Sweet Something and get the perfect cake of your dreams. And now we're going to go ahead and get into the episode. Okay. There, I think it should record everything now. I'm recording you off the Zoom H6, so it should be able to record the, the oh, whole you're recording? Zoom. Yeah, yeah, it should already be recording on here. Oh, cool. Okay, good, good, good. I was going to say, if not, I can just I could have just started to record on here and, and given you the, the the playback, so that's right, good, man. Right. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, I've never done the Zoom meeting before, <laughs> like at all, I've never done that, but it's kind of cool now that I know I could probably get away with this, <laughs> it probably, it makes a difference. So you're my first, like, vid- on-video phone call um, oh, good. Uh, podcast interview uh, for yeah, the short cool. time I've been I- doing it. I tend to, it seems to, I mean, I've done this for our, our other podcasts and then the Human Predator Pack Mule podcast for uh, a little while. And I'll be honest with you, I think the ones where you, you get to see the other person tend to go a little bit better because you can mm-hmm. see their face and kind of read their body language and stuff. So it might be something you want to try out from going yeah. forward. Oh, no, I definitely will because it, it kind of gets to the, uh, sometimes what happens is you tend to talk over each other because you don't know if one's yep. like actually ready to pause or who has a question. Yep. So <laughs> that's yep. awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, hey, man, do your thing. I'm in. Whatever. You know. Oh, thing. yeah. Yeah. Um, well, since we're already here talking and, and it's already recording, so uh, you want to go ahead and just, you know, give a little intro about who you are and, and what you got going on? Sure. Yeah. Uh, my name is Todd Bumgardner. Uh, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. I own a gym. Uh, I run a program called Human Predator Pack Mule, which is uh, fitness for backcountry hunting. I work with tier run, tier one special operators as a strength and conditioning coach on the staff with, with the unit. And I also own, own a mentorship for personal trainers and other strength coaches called Strength Faction. And I live here in uh, Northern Virginia, but I'm from, I'm from central Pennsylvania. So, but uh, I've been here outside of DC for about six years. Nice. Nice. And, uh, you, you know, I know some folks may have heard heard your uh, your podcast before, you know, where you ex- kind of go deep into your, uh, you know, your origins of of getting into the strength conditioning with the tier one operators and stuff like that. But for for folks who haven't, um, what I don't want you to divulge too much stuff that you're not allowed to. You know, you probably signed an NDA and everything else. So, um, I guess my my first question really with that is like, how is that how is that experience working with those guys? That's oh, cool. I mean, it's just. They're normal dudes, you know. I, I think it's it's fun because we we get to go down there and and um, we're obviously not 
part of the team, but they make you feel like you're part mm-hmm. of the team. And it's just been, it's been really cool to, to impact some change there because, you know, the guys are really hard charging guys and it's fun to work with people like that that just want to kick some ass. But at the same right, like what they need to learn is, is how to tone it back a little bit and to see the, the progress that we've made. I've been there for six years. This is my sixth year there. My business partner's been there for seven. And uh, to see the change that we've been able to affect and, and keep guys going and, and keep them, you know, actually active and operating instead of, of being hurt and, and having to call it quits and, and go into a different kind of job. You know, it's, it's pretty awesome to see that and be able to affect that change. And plus, you know, we get to go to a pretty cool compound a few times per week. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of rad because there's helicopters and <laughs> all kinds of cool shit like that. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool experience. Now, when these guys come to you, um, you know, like I said before, like I've, I've heard your podcast where you kind of talk about how when they do come to you guys, they kind of already have their, their set mentality or their set training ways that they did back when they're in their former units prior to going to this on the civilian side sometimes or vice versa. If you're working with guys who are still active duty, um, you know, they kind of have their own way of, of training and how they got there and stuff like that. Is it, has it been difficult to break that mold? Yeah, it has. Uh, because, you know, people think they, they need a certain thing and plus, you know, it's um, you feel as though something, some certain thing has gotten you to the dance, you know? And uh, so it's tough to let that go uh, because a lot of times, and it's for not just for, for operators, but for a lot of people, they, they chase a feeling mm-hmm. like a, a workout needs to make them feel a certain way or it needs to feel a certain way to be productive. And so that gets hardwired into people, you know, and it comes with the culture of, of, inherently who you're working with Mm -hmm. where things need to be hard because you know they've been tested for their entire careers based on on what they've done and so it's breaking that mentality that like that every workout doesn't need to be a test and just because like you had to do all this crazy shit to to get through selection you know it doesn't mean that it's going to serve you after selection Mm -hmm. and help you do your job so the the process is it for us to get the buy-in that we that we have now (sighs) is taken it's taken years and it's, it's still, I mean, there's, it's still a constant, constant kind of uh, being able to explain our why and being able to rationalize it and, and get people on our side and also just continue to show the results. And, you know, that, that kind of stuff just takes time because like I said, you're, when it comes to something like that, man, you're, you're just, you're trying to affect a culture change kind of one guy at a time. Right. So it's, it is, it, it has taken a long time. And uh, you, Speaking of like that, that culture change with them where, where they're used to it, I know, you know, your other podcast you talked about how like, you know, you used, when you were younger, you used to be so concerned with, you know, don't be a pussy, you know, don't, yeah. don't give up. Um, now with these guys, you know, now that you, you can kind of break that mold and tell them, hey, like you're not being a pussy, you're, you're taking care of your body, you know, so you can be optimal in the field, you know, sweat here, you know, bleed here so you don't bleed out there kind of mentality. Um what are your what are your like your i guess your you know your um the the kind of gates that those guys got to get through that you can kind of test off the results and say hey this is working like you know they passed this you know how do you how do you gauge that i mean the 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 interesting thing is is like um when when guys come in we go we do some movement testing and you know we do some some strength and conditioning testing but it's it's really there's there's not a lot of the gates when it comes to that you know mm-hmm. for for us at our gym 
we have strength standards and conditioning standards. Um, but it's a little bit different there because, you know, it's, 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 we are outside like subcontractors. So we don't get to establish that. So that would have mm. to come from like more like higher up. Like their team leaders. And to say like, this is the standard and we have to be able to do things this way. And, um, we don't have that, but what we, what we have are our baseline tests to be able to say like, this is dangerous. You probably shouldn't do this right mm-hmm. now because of where you're at from a movement standpoint. And like, you know, you could probably use more of this kind of conditioning and then directing the programming based on that and setting up programming and, and direct them towards specific programs. But, you know, I, I mostly work with the new recruits. So I write all of their programming uh, for the year that, that they're going through their, their train up. So I just have a lot of control over that process to be like, okay, so these are the elements of the things that we need to do from looking at it over the past six years and saying like, my main goal is just to keep guys healthy Mm -hmm. and keep them in the job. It's like, you're already, you're already a badass. Like you can already do all the stuff. It's like, we just have to keep you in one piece. So it's really just, I I don't know that there's necessarily like you, you graduate from this and you're able to do this out there. That's not really how it works, but we do, we do stuff like that at my gym mm-hmm. where if you meet this strength standard, it opens up more exercises to you and it opens up more ways to train. If you meet this conditioning standard, it opens up more opportunities to you and we give people a lot of stuff to aim at. Um, and that that works really well because it, it people want to people want to know if they're doing well or not. And it gives you a really concrete structure of like, hey, this is this is working or this isn't, or um, you know, I'm I'm improving because people want to feel competent. It's a it's a very motivating thing. Mm-hmm. It's a, like the, one of the base level things of human motivation is feeling competent. And so we have a lot of that structure at our gym though. Awesome, awesome. And uh, when it comes to your 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 method of of training, um, there's a lot of guys who do different stuff. You know, me coming from the military, um, you know, we would do just you know, mundane stuff sometimes, or just things that obviously like after being in for so, for a little, you know, I say so long, but for the amount of time that I was in, what you can, you can start to see the, the after effects of overtraining and and doing, doing programming that isn't necessarily going to guarantee guys results in the long run. And, you know, and that, that kind of falls into like, you know, we were always, we were constantly running all the time. There was this big thing where we had to constantly run, constantly run and then they would they would see that once we got to the field and we were training dudes were getting injured all of a sudden you know all of a sudden now they got weight on them and they're going out there and they're 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 sprinting and they're jumping doing stuff that we weren't already training for prior to that and um yeah. you know what is what is more of y'all's like method of training when it comes to that is it you know are you guys doing something that's kind of like in the realm of like big 3 and run um are you focused on like upper body lower you know, what is what does it kind of look like for you guys? Well, I mean, we break it down by really what what qualities we need to develop. Mm-hmm. So when I say that, I mean strength, power, um, aerobic development, and you know, for anaerobic development, which would be you know conditioning that would be mm-hmm. a little bit more intense. Um, so that we really want to look at the quality and then the time of the week and then the time of the year. And then based on the outcome of like someone's assessment, what they might need more of. So if you have strength deficits, we'll do more strength training more frequently. 
if you have if you need to develop your aerobic system more we'll do a lot more aerobic training and, and less strength training um and then we break it down throughout the week so like you're more intense lifting and power work because it's more neurological based neurologically based comes towards the early early end of the week because uh if you do a lot of like you know metabolic training so say you're doing your hard conditioning and you do that early in the week you can't access your strength the same way because hmm. you just it's it takes longer to recover from those type of sessions so trying to plan the week that way depending on the person i mean obviously we break those rules sometimes if it, if it's the right thing to do but it's it's really that man it's it's the the joke that we have is that we our training does what crossfit is supposed to do so we we put things in proportion right. to fit the person where they're at and then also, you know, based on what they need and then also, okay, so what is the outcome that we have to produce and how much of each of these different elements needs to exist in this program right now? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's our approach. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've seen that, you know, again, you know, while I was in, you know, CrossFit was a big thing for a while too and, and guys were doing it, but it just, it kind of occurred to me, I was like, are we constantly breaking ourselves every day? You know, I know you, you talk a lot about, you know, you know, burning hot, you know, if you're constantly doing that, I mean, what is, what is the end result there? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you just, you don't, ad for most people, you're just not going to adapt to the training very well. I mean, the, the point of training is to build reserves mm -hmm. so that, you know, when you, whether you're in the military and you're, and you're going out into the field or whether you're hunting or whatever it is that you're doing is that it doesn't take all of your strength to be able to do the task. It doesn't take, Oh, you don't tax your all of your energy systems like your aerobic system your anaerobic system with everything you do so the point is to develop reserves and if you can't recover from your training if you're not leaving reserves in the tank then you're not going to build reserves mm -hmm. so that's that's where i have a hard time with you know a lot of the the hunting training uh programs that are out there and with crossfit and things like that because it's just so poorly planned that you just don't have the ability to actually do the training adapt to it and then reap the result that you want to reap. Mm -hmm. and, and what kind of led you to that did you just like were you laying in bed one day and you were injured and you kind of have an epiphany and you were like oh like this is all wrong uh no i mean the thing is man is like this is i i've been a strength and conditioning coach for my entire adult life so i started um when i was in college even working with you know teams mm -hmm my school i trained two of the female athletic teams i started working with the basketball team when i was done playing football i still had some time left in school so i, I started really doing that and so i've just spent my life uh doing this like mm -hmm. actually seeing it work in real life and, and and doing and researching and learning and it's just like even from the early onset i was like man you know stuff like cross it's badass to go see people do and compete and it's like it would be fun mm -hmm. i would enjoy doing it I just know better because it's like, I just know that that's not how the body is going to adapt for, to stress. And, and when you're, when you don't have things in the proper proportion, you know, you just can't adapt. And I, it's just always kind of like, it just never made sense to me based on what I knew from a foundational knowledge standpoint. And I think that that's really where a lot of the, the programs in the hunting industry run into a problem because they just don't have people that it's not their career. Right. They haven't done it their they don't have the depth of knowledge to be able to say what they're doing is is actually good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it yeah. just seems uh, lately it just seems like a lot of it's very cookie cutter. You know, they're just slapping hunting training or back backcountry you know hunting you know uh, physical fitness program. They're kind of just slapping it on the on the lunchbox there and saying, hey, we're good to go. 
you know this will this yeah, will sell it, it is it's just it's just you know it's just hard and so people equate hard with good and people equate i sweated with good and people equate i'm sore with good mm -hmm. and sometimes yeah those things need to happen but they don't need to happen with every they shouldn't happen with every workout and you have to really look at like what does the body need it needs a very strong aerobic base and you can't do that with a bunch of intense conditioning mm -hmm. you just you can't do it you need to be generally strong you're not going to be able to access the ability to build strength if everything you're doing is at some crazy tempo and you can't actually use the load with the amount of weight and then recover in the way you mm -hmm. need to it just it's just really poorly planned because i people just don't understand what they're doing i think is right. the easiest yeah. way to say it and uh yeah no i totally agree i mean it's something that i kind of started you know tinkering with you know prior to getting out was um you know i had i had my guys i kind of got away from the army pt men mentality of how they were doing stuff and i started implementing more like football conditioning workout kind of stuff like a lot of bear crawls a lot of cool. sled drags because um, I was also trying to get the guys to run three times a week. We were doing three-mile runs three times a week, but we didn't have to go very fast. It was like, do it at your own pace and, you know, don't go above, you know, this heart rate. You know, what I thought might have been the right heart rate. I may have been going completely overboard, but, you know, I was just I was just sending it as hard as I could. Um, but the what I found was a lot of the sled dragging, a lot of those days that we did, you know, more towards gearing towards more towards the uh, the Army physical fitness test stuff. Um, we kind of produced better results that way. It was, it was kind of weird, you know, doing the, doing the sled drags yeah. and the farmer carries, well, it I, translated so well. Yeah. And it, it does. I mean, that's what, I mean, really humans are built to do is to, is to carry shit and, and walk for long distances and be able to do stuff like that. We're really, really good at it. Um, but I think also it's like when you look at, you know, guys in the military, and you think about it's always helpful to look at what someone's not doing, you know? So for example, when I trained a lot of athletes, um, back in the day, I would look at, okay, so what is their strength and conditioning coach at school having them do? What is their, their sport coach having them do? And then I would do the things that they weren't doing. Mm -hmm. And then you can reap really big results from that. So if you have guys that are just running all the time, running and bench pressing, you know, if you do something a little different, like doing some sled dragging and things like that with the appropriate amount of, of work, then, yeah, you can really do something, something big. Mm -hmm. So it really just helps to look at, you know, what has this person been doing or what has this group of guys been doing? And, and you can make a really big intervention. So smart. So I charge T for your for your for your unit. I'm sorry. You were in charge of PT for your. Oh unit? no no no! I was just in charge of my squad. I I, I tried to go to. Uh, I did the master fitness course like phase one. It's like an online thing. Anybody can really pass that one. Uh, I was just the in the second phase. They say it's supposed to be good. They teach you some basic army like you know physical fitness stuff. I, I could be wrong. I'll probably get DM'd about that. But as far <laughs> as I, I as far as I know, it's not. It's nothing like you know. It's something like you're. It's not like you're going to like CrossFit level one class or something. You're, or some shit like that. Uh, sure. But uh, it, it's it's a pretty. From what I understand, it's a good course. It's good to have. And then we have them. Uh, you know, you'll have like a master fitness guy, and and I say that lightly, but you'll have like a master fitness guy for your battalion that's supposed to do that, and he's supposed to be the commander's like person to give recommendation to but they're never going to really listen to that more of the special operations realm guys you you know they get to have you know people like you you know that are teaching them 
that are you know writing programs for them. You know, and these guys are at tip you know tip of the spear essentially. Well, not essentially, they are because they're able to perform. You know, these guys can squat you right. know ridiculous weight and then go run you know max their five mile run, and you're like. Who, who designs that program for them? Because that's what we need. You know, we need guys that are going to take care of us like that. And and I hope the Army shifts to that eventually, but but we'll see. I mean, in the near future. I think they're, I think they're making strides. You'd, I think they're making strides. I mean, the new the new physical fitness test is a step in the right direction. Oh, yeah. For sure it is. No, I totally agree with that. After so, doing the other, the original PT test, it's great. But this one, the reason I like this one, a lot of folks didn't like it. But really, I mean, if you're a really fast runner, and you're not strong, you're you're probably gonna fail. If you're really strong, but you're not, you don't have a good, you know, cardio base or aerobic base, you're gonna fail. <laughs> like, so it, it it's forcing yeah. soldiers to be more well-rounded, and that's what I kind of liked about it. And it's kind of fun. It's more of a competition kind of thing, and you really, it's a lot better than doing push-ups forever and sit-ups forever. Yeah, because you don't learn that much from that. I mean, you learn whether or not somebody got good at push-ups or sit-ups, or they can just yeah. do stuff with their body weight. But it doesn't tell you how somebody's going to do under load if they got to carry a ruck mm-hmm. for, you know, however many miles or oh, yeah. what, what their, what their base capacities are. So I think it's, it's a step in the right yeah. direction. And, that, and that's, and that's the other thing I want to get to too, is that rucking, you, you know, you, I, I recommend everybody listens to, you know, um, rucking podcast. Cause that was, that, that's so much insight to that, you know, for the, for the most part, you, you gave out some really good information on, on rucking and, and uh, I think that's something that I wish I had known early on. And I wish, you know, as a leader, I wish I knew that early on. And I wish my leaders had known that, too, because, again, preventable injuries completely from from learning to do it the right way. But um, so, Tom, uh, getting off of, you know, the military stuff, because this is an outdoor podcast. Jesus, <laughs> I, I go down the rabbit hole of that sometimes with people that are in the relatable field. Um so let's talk about your hunting experience. You know, what do you got going on? You got any any crazy hunts about to come up? I heard Alaska, possibly. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going back to Alaska to go up the Hall Road to hunt caribou for the second time. And then, um, so that'll be good. To, I mean, just even, just taking the drive up the Hall Road is, is worth the price of it. It's, <laughs> it's gorgeous, man. So I'll do that in, I'll do that in August. And then um, in late October, I'm going to hunt uh, deer and elk in Montana. So I got, I drew... I drew the combo Sick. deer elk tag for Montana this year, so that'll be. And then my buddy drew a deer tag, so we have three three animals to kill <laughs> and not very much. Time, so we'll see how it goes. It's a lot of pack out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll. I mean, hopefully we can fill them all. I'll be fine. I'll be. That's fine. I'll spend the rest of the winter being tired. I'm good with that. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes, man. It's a, it's just a lot of hunting to do in a very short mm-hmm. amount of time. So caribou. So. I mean, what kind of drew you to that with, with caribou hunting? Have you Were you already doing that as, like, a younger man before? Or, you know, is that something, is that, like, a new thing that you're, like, I got you did it one time and now you're hooked? Well, my friend Steve Opat, uh, he lives up there. And, you know, uh, we've been, my first trip to Alaska, I went to hunt black bears with him. Sick. And then it's just kind of been, uh, you know, we went last year, He, you know, there was a spot. We were supposed to hunt moose, actually, mm-hmm. uh, last year. And then, you know, with COVID, the the village that we were supposed to fly into, they were like, we can't, we're not letting people come in, which, fair enough. And then, um, so he's like, well, let's just, you can come up the hall with hall road with me that year. And then, so we flew into 
Anchorage because we had to get a boat, uh, borrow a boat. <laughs> so we, we rented a, a U-Haul and drove a U-Haul with a boat and all of our <laughs> gear and shit in the back of it from Anchorage up to Fairbanks. And then from Fairbanks up, we went up the Hall Road. And so it was just like, you know, here's this here's this super cool opportunity to, to, to do this trip and, instead of another one and just kind of, you know, adjust my sights and, and not get too bummed out about not getting to hunt moose. And then, you know, we got hooked up with this guy named Elias uh, Carlson, who's a, a designer. I think he, he does the he's done the design and layout for uh, Modern Huntsman. And he's going up this year. And, you know, I've, I've like figured there'd be a great trip to do with him because he's a cool dude. And so I just jumped back on that trip again this year because it's just it's the tundra is wild, man. It's just a really, really cool place. And uh, it's it's beautiful in a really weird way. And, and caribou are cool critters, mm-hmm. man. Like they're just, they're odd. They're just really goofy. And so they're, they're fun to hunt. So I was like, yeah, man, I'll do that again. And then next year I'm going to go after moose. So it hasn't been like, I, I didn't start doing the, the traveling to Alaska thing and stuff for like the past few years. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up in central Pennsylvania and in Virginia, just doing the normal East coast white right. hunting like everybody else. But it's just, you know, I decided, man, like, this shit's short. I'm going to, I'm 35 now. I'll be dead before I know it. Like, <laughs> I might as well go do it. So that's, that's kind of what spurred it yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, I mean, that's how I am. I'm about to be 30 and, and kind of just got the butt bit by the bug. So I was like, oh, man, like, I'd, I really want to get out there and go out west and, and start going on those hunts. You know, I, I really got dive deep more into hunting this last year with, you know, the podcast opening up and, and really taking it serious, you know, finding something else as an outlet to do. So, uh, you know, this has been, it's cool. been, it's great, man. you know, it's just been such an experience so far. And I'm like, man, like I want to like this year I'm, I'm on my plate, you know, it's, I want to hunt black bear up in North Georgia and then do, uh, and then try to get a whitetail. You know, that's my check those two first. And then when, like I told you on the DMS, uh, you know, we went, we went to Colorado for my anniversary and I was just, I was blown away by the, by Colorado period, just that the high country was just something else. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta come back here. Like this has to be where I come to go hunt. Like now I know why people were so addicted to going, to going out West. You know, if you're from the East, you're like, oh. now I know what Bo Martonic's talking about. When I went out there, I was like, no, yeah, dude, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's the West is beautiful. It's, it's all pretty amazing. And it's so different from, from here. So yeah, I, and the thing is, you could go to Colorado, I mean, and hunt elk every year if you wanted to. You could get an over-the-counter tag. It's not going to be easy, yeah. but you could do it. You know. Mm-hmm. And uh, with your uh, with your caribou hunt, like, it, how was that? You know, what was that experience like going out there? I mean, just the the how many you know, miles did you have to walk? And were you were you really were you guys just roughing it out there? You... Yeah, I mean, so we had. Uh, we had boats, so we used those to go uh, up and down the Sag River and to get out of the rifle corridor because it's uh, you have to be five miles away from the road because of the oil pipeline because okay. they obviously don't want anybody shooting the pipeline with your rifle. Um, but once you get out there, I mean, there's 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 nothing about the tundra that's easy. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about it. it's like everything sucks your energy because everything's wet. Um, walking on it sucks. Mm-hmm. It's like every, I would say every mile you walk on the tundra is like, I mean, every mile, yeah. Every mile you walk on the tundra is like three miles. Wow. And it's just, it just takes a lot of energy. Now, when we got out there, it's like, yeah, we walked a lot. I mean, there are a couple of days where we, we walked about, you know, 10 miles on the tundra, which doesn't sound crazy 10 miles a day, but 
go walk 10 miles on the tundra mm-hmm. and tell me how you feel <laughs> right. at the end of that day. So, I mean, I mean, roughing it, I don't know, man. Like, camp was relatively comfortable because we had we had boats. So we brought uh, we brought wood with us. We had our we had a stove inside our TV tent. Um, we had a lot of food. There you go. <laughs> so it's actually it wasn't too bad. I don't think this year is going to be as comfortable because I don't know if we're we're taking boats. So I think we're actually going to um, either pack raft outside the rifle corridor and and hunt that way. Or walk in and then like pack raft out, depending on which way we mm-hmm. go. But uh, but yeah, so it's 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 uh, I mean, once you get a, it's just crazy, man, because like there's there's no trees, there's no nothing that you're mm-hmm. used to, and shit just goes on for days, and you, and you just you know we were way up north, close to Prudhoe Bay, so we were maybe I don't know. 14 miles from their safety zone so not super duper duper far from a town but if you look in any direction you know you could walk for hundreds and hundreds mm-hmm. and hundreds of miles and not run into another person or another town really? and the immensity of that kind of scope falls on you like holy shit you know it's pretty it's pretty wild yeah and do you run into any bears while you're out there i was hoping so no <laughs> we didn't yet i've so i've i've hunted i've hunted in alaska for 17 days now um, I haven't seen a brown bear yet. Dang. Which, which I mean, probably a good thing. I think, you know, my buddy's... It's probably that? a good thing. It is and it is. I mean, it depends on how far away they are, right? <laughs> so I, uh, I, uh, my buddy Steve, you know, he said, I think he's, he hunted for a long time without seeing one. And he li- he lives there when he moved to Alaska. But I don't know, man. I, we, uh, and the thing is, is we were kind of... Quite honestly, we were foolish with our camp last year. It was probably a little messier and had a little bit too much scent, more than we should have let it be that way. So I, I really thought we would see some bears. We, we had wolf tracks all around our mm. camp, but we didn't see any bears. So I was I was somewhat disappointed, and especially because one night, you know, they ended up having to go into town to take care of some things, and then some shit happened, and they couldn't get back out to our camp. And so I was out on the tundra for, I don't know, a day and a half by myself, I was just kind of hoping, like, you know, maybe uh, there's not as much noise, there's not as much people around, maybe something cool will happen and nothing. Nope, nothing. <laughs> nothing. So maybe next time we'll see. Oh yeah. And uh, how do you uh, how do you guys go about planning your hunts? You, are you using like Onyx Hunt? Are you guys doing you know Google Earth? And you guys are or planning it? Like, what's y'all's like? How, you know, how long in advance do you guys kind of like plan out your hunt? F- um, you know, for the tundra and stuff. I mean, we talked, I mean, months, mm-hmm. you know, it's looking at, quite honestly, a lot of it is, uh, you know, Steve will look at things that kind of, he has an idea that he wants to explore. It's like, well, I haven't been down this river drainage yet. So like, maybe we could go there and just see what we find. And, you know, last time we looked at the easiest point to get outside of the rifle corridor mm-hmm. um, with the access that we had and to, um, you know, be where we thought the caribou might be so yeah we use i mean we use on x and um spent a couple months ahead like thinking about the river drainages thinking about you know the timing of what things were like last year and where they were last year but it's like when it comes to to caribou you can kind of i guess look at where their their typical migration corridor mm-hmm. is but the thing about caribou is is like they're either there or you're not they're right. not like scouting for caribou is seeing caribou. It's not like a white-tailed deer where you're playing a chess match all the time mm-hmm. and trying to figure out where, like what their pattern might be and where they're going to be. It's they're either there or they're mm-hmm. not. So it's like okay, so where can we get good access? 
what looks like we could maybe get to something that might be some high ground that we can see and then set up a decent shelter and then that we can move because the, the biggest thing about hunting caribou is just you have to be able to see and you have to be able to move and those are really the two big factors so right just giving yourself that is the big thing and as far as you know moving for that caribou um you know how much energy are you expending or do you, are you guys you know you already knowing what you know um to be efficient like that i mean I would assume that, you know, it's got to be, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of stories of people, you know, going after elk, but once they start moving, they're like already over the hill by the time you even stand up and ready to go after them. Yeah, I mean, so caribou are a little different than elk in that, uh, you know, I like I just I've read some stuff about them where like people say they're they're so scary and they and they, that they use they spook. I don't I didn't experience really? that at all. Like they'll like I mean we put a really good stock on one, this guy, Charlie, that was hunting with us. The last day we got to hunt, he and I went and hunted together. I had killed my bull already and we were going to get his and we spotted this one bull for pretty good ways out. And we stalked him for probably four hours mm-hmm. and that was pretty cool. But they're goofy. That's what I'm saying. They're goofy, man. Like we had a group of cows the one day literally just follow us around all day, like get it within 10 to 15 yards of us. You know, there are, we've had we had bulls, like on the first day we had a bull walk right into camp. He wasn't he wasn't the shooter that I mm-hmm. wanted, but we tried to get set up on him. Somebody else could kill him, and uh, you know they're just goofy like that. It's it's not like you you spook them and they're into the next time the into the next time zone like an elk might be. Not from my experience, and and granted, I mean there could be other herds that behave differently, but the ones that we hunted, they certainly weren't like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in, you know, moving out there, you know, within that, that country, I mean, you know, were your feet getting like super soaked and stuff or you guys, what kind of, what kind of, what was y'all's like gear load out for that? I, I mean, so for my feet, I wore seal skin socks, like the seals, like, uh, waterproof socks and Merrill Alta legs Mm -hmm. uh, are the shoes that I wear. And then I would just keep one pair of everything dry and one pair of everything would just stay wet. And because we got really lucky with weather it wasn't crazy Mm -hmm. but the tundra is just wet it's just wet all the time and so you know as far as gear goes man it's just rain gear uh a couple insulating layers your mid layers puffies Mm -hmm. and that's about it i mean that's out from a from a clothing standpoint that's what you really what you need and then you know everything else is just typical hunting stuff but from a from a, a gear standpoint i think the biggest thing is just you just got to be able to deal with weather and you got to be able to get yourself dry fast. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really the, the key up there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, are you like, do you, do you hunt in solids or are you, uh, are you a guy that hunts in like, you know, your typical camo? I have some of both. Yeah. I think the, I don't, do I think solids are, I mean, do I think camouflage is necessary for rifle hunting? No, I don't even know if it's necessary for bow mm-hmm. hunting if you're in it or if you're good at being still because, I've had deer walk five yards from me and I'm standing there in all green, like a goddamn, uh, uh, game. Warden, and they didn't had they had no idea I was there. So I, I don't know. I mean, so I have a lot of camouflage mostly because what I do is I wait until, uh, companies start to put their, their stuff on yep. sale that they want to get rid of. And it's always camouflage. So I have a bunch of camouflage, but I don't, I don't know for, for hunting with a rifle, it doesn't yeah. matter. I, I, it doesn't matter at all. 
And you're yeah. are you like really set on just rival hunting? Have you or you know you do a little bit of both? You do some bow hunting too for for whitetail? Oh or? yeah, I hunt I hunt I hunt archery whitetail. Um, I'm gonna take my bow to uh, Alaska this year and try to kill a caribou oh, with my bow because it just opens up the the opportunity more because we you know we could be driving up the road and as I could hunt right along the road if we see caribou along the road, but if you know, I have to wait until you get outside the rifle corridor to be able to hunt with a rifle. So I'm going to take my bow this year and if be opportunistic. And if we see something driving up that I want to put a stock on, I'll, I'll go after it. But then I'll probably just leave it in the truck once we mm-hmm. head into the back country. So I don't have to carry too much shit. Yeah. Carry too much shit with me. Awesome. Awesome. And, um, you know, I, I saw that you did like a, an article for, for uh, black rifle coffee. Do you do, mm-hmm. do you do yeah. those for them I a lot? I read a few articles for them. Oh, okay. So you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I they just they just brought me on. I write it should be like one article a week. Going cool. For them. And uh, yeah. what's your experience with that company? You you you've known them for a long time now, or you oh. know? No, no. I I have just they put out a one of their editors put out a thing uh, looking for writers, and you know I've I've done a lot of fitness writing mm-hmm. and shit throughout my career, and honestly, I didn't want to write a bunch of fitness content. I was hoping they'd let me write outdoor content, but they saw who I'd written for, for fitness stuff. And, um, they're like, well, that's kind of what we need right now. So that's what I'm doing. So it's fun. Uh, they're, they're cool. So, I mean, it's really, really easy to work with them and, and it's a pretty good time. So it's, uh, it's really cool. That's awesome. So just, just fitness content for, for black rifle for right now until you can. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how it shakes out. I just, I'll just do a good job <laughs> with what they're offering me and, you know, be humble enough to realize that, Hey, this is a pretty cool opportunity. And you just, that's just kind of it, man. It's like, you know, you, when you have, uh, who am I to say no to something that, that's, right. that's that positive and can impact people really well. Cause there's just a lot of bad fitness information out there. And it's like, you know, helps me put more food on my plate and right. gives me more resources. By, you know. And, you know, I would assume that, I mean, like you having to write so much fitness content, does it kind of just get to the point of just like, <laughs> you almost get a little tired cause you're having to regurgitate somewhat the same information all the time. Uh, I mean, no, because I, I try to find new angles and I try to find and, and it's always different with a, with a different audience. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the fitness content that I've written has been for for other coaches and explaining things that way. And so having the opportunity to speak to a different audience in a different way. So, you know, essentially, it's it's the people that I work mm-hmm. with. It's, it's, you know, the people that read it are military guys, former military guys and, and, and people that like to hunt. So it's like, OK, so this is this is the audience I want to reach anyway. So it's all very congruent. Mm-hmm. And uh what other uh, like magazines have you have have you written for? Oh yeah, so uh, men's health, men's fitness. I used to write for T Nation and uh, Bodybuilding.com. So I've been in magazines like that. I like T Nation. <laughs> yeah, I used to. It's been a long time since I wrote for yeah. them. I think the last article I wrote from them was seven, eight years ago, something like that. Yeah, I've I've, I've read some of theirs, but then like you get kind of like contradicting articles sometimes too. Like, like I read one article and I was like, but you said this was okay to do. <laughs> and now you're saying it's not yeah. <laughs> like I'm confused. Well, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, and they, it's kind of always been that way where they don't necessarily have like, this is a, the congruent message. They just kind of give information based on, you know, to give people to try mm-hmm. shit out and think about it, you know? But I don't know. I actually, I haven't read T nation in a long, long, long time, but that's how it was when I wrote from there. I mean, Back in the day, it used to be awesome. Like all of the, like the guys that were 
for who who who's who in the kind of the strength and conditioning world wrote for them. So like John Berardi from Precision Nutrition and Eric Cressy and all of these really, really the guys that I grew up kind of admiring, they all wrote for them. So it was really cool to to get the opportunity to do that eventually. But I don't I have no idea what it's like now. Really? And uh you were yeah. you were really big into powerlifting at one point too? I was, yeah, that was kind of my life for quite a bit of time. Yeah. And uh, I know you talked about how, like, you know, you, you try to go on that hike with your uh, with your girlfriend. You said you wouldn't go because it would mess up your meat. I mean, was that like a was that was that yeah, always I, like that? I mean, um, you know, I don't. It was yeah. It was always like I, I've I've always been. Well, not as much anymore because I've kind of grown up and I'm an adult now. <laughs> but back in the day, it was like I was, I would hyper focus on mm-hmm. things, and it would just be all or nothing. So. Like I talked about on the one podcast about, uh, you know, the self-talk and the mental one percenters, uh, it was all about, well, I wanted to be, I wanted to be able to go into the military. I wanted to be able to play football. And it was like hyper-focused, cut everything else out and just be incredibly one dimensional and then just lead myself to mentally to really bad places that didn't really help. And then, you know, powerlifting kind of became the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so something that was supposed to be, you know, uh, I don't know, like life affirming and, and something that's supposed to be to help me grow kind of was actually a detriment because I just, I had an obsession and it was, wasn't a good thing. Uh, I mean, it was cool cause I got to do some, some cool stuff as a, as a, not a very heavy guy, but you know, it's just, it just wasn't, it wasn't the right fit anymore. And it, it, uh, you know, powerlifting is one of those things where it's like, you know, it's fun, but you pay a heavy, you pay a heavy cost mm-hmm. for doing it. And it's just, I just don't see, Especially as people approach, you know, 30, 35, 40, I think you're just, the cost to benefit ratio is just not there for me. Right. And, you know, you know, getting into that too, you know, with, uh, you know, with powerlifting, I mean, there's certain programs that require you to do like, you know, they, they do focus on like squat bench and deadlift and stuff. Um, take for example, like Mark Ribito's three by five. Would you, mm-hmm. would you recommend that for people like hitting in within the 30? like 30s range and you know going up in age you know is it is it but i mean doing something like like a barbell training program and and training for powerlifting are are different things like if you're really training to move your lifts like the volume and the intensity that you have to train that with not just your main exercises but your assistant exercises is just immense and it takes a really big heavy toll on your body now doing a basic barbell program that is at the right intensities and at the right volumes. And especially if your training age isn't very high. So like, you know, you also have to keep in mind somebody like me, like I started lifting weights when I was 12 years old. So I, I have a really high training age. So if I do a bunch of that shit, it just affects my body differently. Whereas somebody that doesn't have all of that accumulated stress, they can handle it more. So, I mean, as far as Mark Ripito's programming, I mean, I haven't looked at that kind of stuff in a long time, but, doing a basic barbell program i think most people would benefit yeah. from that and i mean i still use barbell training in in my programs and depending on the person and for myself sometimes but it's just it, using a barbell program and training for powerlifting are just kind of slightly different okay things. all right and uh you know my next thing that i have here is your your companies you seem to be quite the entrepreneur like <laughs> you got like what three three separate uh fitness companies yeah i i just I see problems and I try to solve them. I mean, when it comes to the gym, you know, that was, that was my business partner, Chris's uh, entity that he asked me to come mm-hmm. in and, and work with him on. But, you know, we saw 
you know, like with the with human predator pack meal, I just you know when I started to get into Western hunting, I I wanted to learn about how people were training for it, and I just went looking for information. And I was like, oh, well, none of these guys know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> so I guess I got to do this myself. And um, so that was that. And it's like I just when I look at problems, like I I just get like I ha- I can solve this problem. So then I start a way to solve the problem, and it just ends up turning into a business all the time, which is fun because I need. I need a lot of stimulation to keep myself mm-hmm. going. So, uh, and I like, I like, I like challenges. So it's, it's fun. It's fun being an entrepreneur. Yeah. And when it comes to your, uh, to your hunting program, um, what is kind of like the, the common issues that you're running into with that? Like common injuries. Um, sorry, I misspoke there. Yeah. Common injuries that you have seen, you know, throughout, you know, throughout the program and what you kind of geared your program to like start fixing. Okay. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is, uh, people working at too high intensities all the time. Um, and when I say that, I mean like too much, really, really hard conditioning and then packing with too much weight and, and rucking with too much weight and not really doing a lot of the, the developmental work that they need mm-hmm. to do, which is, you know, I, like I talk about aerobic development and, and doing things at lower heart rates and sustaining that and building general strength. Um, so I think that those are the biggest problems that we see, you know, you see guys, they mess up their backs, they mess up their hips and ankles and knees just because they put a lot of unnecessary stress on themselves. And, um, it it leads to overtraining and overuse type issues and things like that. And so, you know, it's really just, I just saw that while a lot of these, like the, the folks that develop these programs, they mean well, and they want to help people. Mm -hmm. It's just, they're, they, the things are just aren't uh, laid out in the proper order in the proper sequence right i honestly think the biggest thing is like people just don't get the opportunity to perform as well as they could have mm-hmm. and that's that's really what i saw is like you know i mean sure if you've done a bunch of hiking in your life and you already live in the west and you have a pretty good aerobic base if you go do one of these programs and you haven't done anything like that before might it help your performance sure in the short term but the short term doesn't last very mm-hmm. long and you're also just setting yourself up for, for negative consequences down the road with, you know, injuries and things like that. So it's really just thinking about how do you, how do I keep people hunting and doing the things they love to do for as long as they possibly can? Because, you know, I can like I, I've talked about before, I, I just have this vision of seeing myself being able to do this when I'm 80, right. like being able to walk up a mountain and do all that shit. It's like I want to create that opportunity for other people. And the easiest way to do that is to have a sustainable approach to your training and not just do some crazy shit because it makes you feel tough or because some uh, clothing company that endorses a training program says that they know what they're talking about. Like it's all just kind of bullshit. Mm-hmm. So um, I just, it's just about creating a sustainable approach to, to your training. Right. And what are like some of the, like the, you know, the fitness gimmicks that you've seen like with these other hunting, you know, these other hunting programs um, out there? I just really, I mean, trying to use your pack for everything, which is whatever. I mean, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I know what you're talking and about. Just doing this, <laughs> yeah, just doing this, the same hard, basically. So essentially, what they would do is, is they would train in the same exact way, essentially, but just change the exercises on varying days and stuff like that. And it's really just, I just shit like that man it's just really i think it just comes down to poor planning by by people that don't know how to plan mm-hmm. for this kind of thing 
I think that that's really the, the nuts and the bolts. Right, right. And that's probably a good message to send out to people so they don't waste their money on, on that stuff, I guess. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk, no, anything, yeah. but it's just like I, I know better and I would like to save people the, the, the energy and the time and the money and the potential strife from, from getting involved with things that just really aren't going to mm. help. And um, I, I've seen on your on your Instagram, um, and if anybody else follows him on his, um, you kind of you hang out with uh, with another with another kid. Oh, Ryan, yep. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a yeah. He's a, one of my clients. He has a, a neurological, um, the degenerative neurological okay. disorder. So. I started training him a few years ago and just uh, became really close with his yeah. family. So we, uh, uh, yeah. So we just, you know, starting a few years ago, we did some big pushes to, to raise a bunch of money to do research for the condition that he has because it's incredibly rare. Yeah. And it's like so rare that you can't get grants for it because there's literally just not enough people wow. that have it to really to justify it. So, you know, and through that process, he and I just got mm-hmm. really close and he's a, he's a good kid. And what's the, uh, what's kind of the, the story behind y'all's relationship? Exactly. Like when you started with him and, and like, what's kind of like, is it, you know, obviously he obviously looks like his progress is completely improved on there. I mean, you're doing a wonderful job with him. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, it, it just, uh, I don't know. I mean, we, um, his parents came because they were just kind of, they were kind of desperate. They didn't know what else to do for him. Um, they tried a bunch of different things and they, and they, they had gotten one diagnosis about what his, his condition mm-hmm. was, you know, and his mom's just like this little, uh, She's like a little tiger, man. She just, she wouldn't, she wouldn't settle for that because she knew something was wrong. She's like, it wasn't adding up. So it took them years and years to get the right diagnosis for what was going on. And, you know, through that process, um, we've just kind of just gotten closer, man, because it's, uh, when she said, when they found out the diagnosis, um, because when we originally started training him, we thought it was Mm -hmm. something else. And then they got the real diagnosis. And um, when she came to me and said, this is what it is, and just like they felt like there was no hope because it's like, well, there's not even research that exists to try to do anything right. about this because it's so rare. And um, so they, they, she fought and they found somebody to do the research, but they had to raise the money. And so she came to me and was like, well, you know, we have to raise this money. I was like, well, we can do that. And so we started doing fundraisers immediately and, and, and kind of getting the story out there and what was going on. And then through that, it just kind of built some momentum. And then she got connected with other people with other people. And then finally, you know, they raised the money and they have the money to do the research. So it, it, it might not benefit him. It might be too late, but it'll, it'll benefit at least other people. And, you know, through that process, it was just like, I would start going over for dinner mm-hmm. and all these things. And it grew from, you know, just being the trainer and the guy that they were looking for to help their kid to becoming part of the family and kind of being a mentor to Ryan mm-hmm. and, and helping him, to, you know, kind of get his head on straight. That's too. awesome, man. That really is. It's a it's it's a really admirable thing. And, and you don't I don't know. It, I mean, maybe some people don't, I guess, post it the way you do. But, you know, I don't see a lot of people doing that, doing being compassionate in that in that sense, you know, towards somebody like that. So with, you know, with somebody like Ryan, are you are you looking at maybe doing that for more people with his kind of condition? Now that you now that you know what it is, are you are you more inclined to be like, hey, you know, I could probably help out more, like with other people? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's it's uh, 
if, first of all, there's there's just not a lot of people, and and I don't know that like really what these folks need is I, I don't know that there's anything special that needs mm-hmm. to be done. They just they need to move and they need to continue to have um, input to their brain, okay. you know, and just a bunch of different types of movements and to do things to make their brain to at least challenge it to not degenerate as quickly as it as it's going to. So as far as starting a crusade for that kind of thing, I don't know that, that that's a thing, but it's like um, I'm just happy to be able to to help Ryan and make sure that his quality of life is as good as it can be for as long as right, possible. Right, right. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, so my other thing that I have here too is uh, your the nutrition portion. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I really, you know, when you kind of went over that with your buddy on the other podcast, you know, and, and I really took that to heart, you know, as far as I was like, I am not taking any fish oils and I'm, and I'm not taking any multivitamins. And as of late, I, since I've heard that podcast, I've been doing that pretty religiously, making sure I'm doing oh, it. Um, I mean, my piss comes out like neon, but I don't know if that's because it's just too much or what. That's the, that's, that's the B vitamin. You're all right. I was like, oh, this ain't good. <laughs> no, but uh, no, I've right. been I've been doing that, and uh, you know, do, what is your recommendation like for that kind of stuff? I mean, you know, is it because right now I'm just doing creatine and protein. I mean, if if somebody was to come to you and say, hey, what is the best kind of you know quote unquote stack to give me the best bang for my buck? What what would you what would you exactly would you recommend? Honestly, I would I would start with looking at lifestyle factors before mm-hmm. I would recommend any kind of supplement. So, are you sleeping at least seven hours a night? Are you drinking at least half your body weight in ounces of water every day? Are you walking at least seven thousand steps every day? Okay. Are are you eating like an adult? So, are do you have are you having like full meals that are composed of the right proportions of of each kind of macronutrient and you know are you so are you eating enough protein are you eating mm-hmm. vegetables um are you eating carbohydrates uh, and are you eating you know in a way that is um commensurate with your goals so like you know if you're training really hard are you eating three to four good meals a day then maybe a decent snack and then so you know i i, I think that that's step number one right. is to kind of get that stuff in line because you know, that's what's really going to pay the big dividends. And, and I hate to see people miss out on that stuff and think that the supplement's going to solve their problem where it's like, no, it, I mean, a supplement can help improve your performance or maybe your recovery or, or your health after you take care of these kind of basic things. So I, I wouldn't say that I have some kind of recommended thing. You know, you know what, what Dr. Mike Roussel said on, on the podcast is kind of where I go. I mean, i Personally, I take fish oil. I take um, rhodiol rogia, which is an adaptogen. I take um, a, some vitamin D and a, and a multivitamin, mm-hmm. and that's really what I do. Just basic health stuff on top of all of the stuff that that I'm already okay. doing. Okay. And does that does that kind of stuff change when it comes to your backcountry hunters coming to you? You know, with with their training, and then when it comes to the nutrition portion, I mean, does it does it kind of change? Does it shift in a, in a sense? Do they need to start taking a little bit more of this and eating a little bit more of you know this? Uh, I, I mean, it, it's the basics are the basics. I think it comes down to the same thing. Where it's like you know, start with with the, the lifestyle factors and and the type of eating that you know we just talked about, and then from there, you know, sometimes 
if if I know someone's got some real wicked stuff mm-hmm. going on and they're going to be heading into the backcountry, we might do some stuff to prepare them to to have more metabolic flexibility, which would be access to different types of fuel sources in mm-hmm. their body. So the the base level of that is is developing your aerobic system so it uses fat efficiently, and that's that's a lot of the the lower heart rate training that that we've been talking about. Um, and then step number two is maybe doing just a little bit of, of intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. So first of all, psychologically, you just get you just get used to being hungry. Um, and then, uh, you know, also being able to, to train and, and and use fuel in your body when you when you don't have that much in it. So we'll do stuff like that. And then, you know, as you get closer to your hunt, the you don't want to be, I mean, I'm not saying you want to be like a fat ass or anything, but you don't want to be super duper obnoxiously lean when you go into the back country because you want, you want to at least probably 10% or a little bit more body right. fat. Um, I, I, I hang between like 12 and 14 most of the time. And so that way you have those stores, but also you just, you just function better, uh, endurance wise. But as you get closer to the hunt, it's good to have, um, like your your diet throughout the throughout the week and throughout the day, start to get closer to what you're going to be, what it's going to be like when mm-hmm. you're hunting, so that your body gets kind of used to that. But my my fear in saying that is that people are going to do that too early, or and they're not going to have uh, the the eat as well as they need to leading up to that, so that they have the energy stored that they need, and and they start too early, because you don't want to put yourself into a big caloric deficit before you go out. Because you're gonna be in one when you're right. out there. There's just no way to be it. But it's like you want to be start to get a little bit closer to that as you as you start to get closer. Your body kind of adapts mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, that's my my big concern right now is is going into you know whitetail season. You're up in the stand all day, and then you want to eat snacks, and you know you want to eat a bunch of junk food and stuff. I'm like, man, how am I gonna prioritize like trying to make sure I'm working out and then still going in the stand in time and, and not missing, you know, missing good you know physical fitness that I could be getting in. Here for all that yeah I, I well during whitetail season you know you just have to you pick your priorities and you think about you know what what are you going to need at the time what are the things that you you lose so the i mean throughout hunting season you know i'm walking around a ton i'm doing all that so really i prioritize just doing a little bit of strength and power training and then a little bit of conditioning just to, to stay there but you know during hunting season it's like it's time to hunt it's time to use all those things that you mm-hmm. spend uh, the the spring and the summer developing and then you know just doing enough to maintain them throughout the fall and then you know once once your deer are in the freezer or <laughs> once the season's over then then get back after it but just enough to, to make sure that you don't lose it so during I mean during hunting season you know I I, I work out I train six days a week mm-hmm. right now during hunting season I, I cut that back to like okay. three that's all right that's what i was kind of probably thinking about doing too <laughs> so if it works there you go. well hey uh we're coming up on an hour now man um you know no i've bombarded you with questions so <laughs> i'll be give you a break and you know i've been waiting to do this podcast with you uh finally getting to the line and finally getting it done um it really is an honor to, to get you on here man I, I mean after i heard you on on beaumar tonics you know podcast i was like man i, I really want to talk to this guy you know plus the peter and jelly sandwich for grown-ups is the shit if anybody has not tried that it is awesome i now i'm i like force my wife to do it i'm like there you go 
make all my sandwiches like that. <laughs> Time to do it. We're doing it. <laughs> um, but uh, before I, you know, before you go, I got this last question I ask all my guests at the end of the podcast. Um, so, what is the biggest myth that you would like to debunk about your career? That you have to put yourself into the trash can with these these ridiculously hard workouts all the time to be able to make progress and that you know training slower and training easier isn't good for you there's got to be some hard stuff in there but it doesn't have awesome, to be awesome as often as everybody and where can uh where can people find you at and um what uh what are your future plans you got going on other than the hunt yeah i mean if if you want to uh follow me on instagram i mean i, I have two accounts uh, most of my training stuff goes to at human predator pack mule and then my personal account is just at Todd Bumgardner, Todd underscore Bumgardner. And then uh, <laughs> I just mostly dick around and say stupid shit on that account. Awesome, awesome, man. Well, hey, thanks again for uh, for giving me the opportunity, man, to, to go ahead and, and get an interview with you. Uh, you're, you know, awesome coach, um, awesome content that comes out on there. You know, what you do with Ryan is, is amazing, too. It's, a, it's really inspiring, you know. Um, you know, and uh, I might be hitting you up for a program, too, honestly, because – probably what i'm doing is probably overexpending myself a little bit cool. so it'll be good to go but thanks man i appreciate it thanks for thanks, bro. you have a good one man All right. All right. thanks bye